0: This is Make Yourself at Home, BizNow's podcast that examines the shifts in the real estate industry caused by the pandemic. I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York City reporter. Today on the podcast, Mark Dixon, the CEO of IWG, the biggest flexible workspace provider in the world. Mark says there's simply no way to argue that you need to be in the office to be productive anymore. And the biggest threat that landlords are facing are commutes. Commutes. I started by asking Mark, who set up IWG subsidiary Regis back in 1989, if he thought at any point throughout the crisis that the company could be completely crushed.
1: No. No, look, this is, um, if we were to get crushed, it would mean the whole world economy had come tumbling down. So my concern wasn't so much for our business. No, we're robust. We were very well financed. And, you know, we had a very strong forward order book, you know, so we had a lot of uh, revenue already booked in at the start of the pandemic. And we came into it from our best quarter in our history, which helped. So all of that helped. You know, my concern was much more for the global economy, actually sort of somehow getting into severe difficulties, where it sort of seizes up. And that's a much, much bigger problem. But... You know, remarkably, everything managed to keep, go, you know, keep going, and it it wasn't a terminal event.
0: So you were more concerned at moments through through the crash, the Lehman crash, than you were throughout this
1: crash. Yes. Look, when the when the Lehman crash, we had to move all our money around, all our cash around, to make sure that because we didn't know whether our banks would fail. You know, it's a much more serious situation if you. If banks start failing, that's that's a very very severe problem. You know, they're, they're, you, you know everything that you bank on can no longer be banked on, and 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 uh, I think it's a much more concerning situation. Look, the pandemic is something completely different, and I think you know thanks to the 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 the, the, the great financial crisis, I think world governments and authorities were ready to deal with the pandemic in a in a in a way that maybe they wouldn't have done had it not been for that crisis so they did immediately support, start to uh, support economies you know completely they supported the workforce they supported uh, businesses and to to some you know to one degree or another i mean look there's there's a lot of cash gone into the economy over the past year and and importantly this year so um you know it, it was quite a it, look it's been an unusual situation and of course we've been concerned and working very hard but you know uh, at no time was i concerned in the same way that i may have been concerned in the past
0: even still um you know iwg lost more than 620 million pounds last year that's like nearly that's over eight hundred thousand us dollars in 2019, you made a profit. It must have been a quite a, quite a shock, I guess. Where did the company Where did the company absorb the hit? What, what changes did you make?
1: Well, that's not quite correct, actually, Miriam. So we made a loss, yes, but that was writing off assets. It wasn't a cash loss. Okay. So cash wise, last year we were broadly break even on cash last year. Okay, so, you know, the most important thing in crises, pandemics, any type of thing like this is cash. It's not profits, it's cash. So we wrote off assets, and it's really the asset write offs that are providing most of that loss and a lot of non cash items causing it. Okay, Uh, look, it's, it's, And the important thing is we were also, during the year, we raised an additional £680 million, so some $800 million of fresh capital, okay, during the year. So, you know, in fact, our cash position improved during the year quite substantially. And, um, you know, so all of that helped in terms of... Um, You know, that's, again, from our experience, it's very important to be well capitalized early on. And it's very important to manage cash, which we did. Now, clearly coming back to your question, does that hurt? Absolutely, it hurts. You know, going from a position of, you know, we had a very successful 2019 profitable, and we grew a lot. So we made a you know, substantial profits, even after the cost of growth. And that continued into the first quarter, it's painful to come down from, from, from there to, um, you know, getting to a cash break even business. But, um, you know, relative to many other businesses, I'm, I'm happy, to, I'd much rather be cash break even than to lose cash.
0: As far as I understand, you put Regis into insolvency last year, giving the company an, an out on leases.
1: That's not true. So we have... Regis itself of course isn't, has not been in bankruptcy, nor has any of our brands been in bankruptcy. So you have some um, guarantee companies, these are guarantor companies, so companies that give guarantees to operating subsidiaries, that is their job and you know those some of those companies were put into restructuring. You know that's what happens when you have crises of this magnitude, and but it certainly wasn't any of the brands, and and um, it wasn't you know the opera. It's not the operating business. These is these are simply guarantor companies.
0: Okay, so it meant the closure of some locations, correct?
1: Some locations, yeah.
0: How, how many would you say?
1: Well, the accurate number, I think, we closed. Uh, around about 100 I think it's around about 170 but again in a normal year we'll close about 100 and, and we'll open 400 so there's always a, a sort of level of closures that you have anyway but we closed a few more than we would normally do you know basically you know you can't carry marginal businesses through a crisis such as the one we've been through
0: At the time, the the London Times described it as Regis, quote, going to war with landlords. I I know you say business is business, but do you have any lingering concerns about your relationship with landlords now?
1: No, I don't. And no, you know, how the Times describe it, you know, if that's a sensational headline, you know, that's we're not going to war with anyone. We're going into defence. It's not. It's the opposite to war. So, you know, with many landlords, we were able to reach a solution. You know, this a crisis such as this one or any crisis, you know, you, there has to be compromise. You know, there can't be winners and there can't be losers. You know, you compromise, everyone gets through to the other side. So, in fact, the opposites happen. We're experienced doing these things. Uh, and, you know, my experience over doing this for 30 years is, if you're upfront, honest and open, you, you know, people will do more business with you. So many of the landlords, if we have changed the arrangements, we've ended up doing more business with them, not less. So, I mean, this is, this is speculation. It's not reality, the reality of, 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 of the world. It's sort of sensationalized, you know, to sort of say there's some kind of story there would be absolutely wrong.
0: So you shed some locations, you did close yeah. some, but you've also made acquisitions as well. Uh, yeah. As far as I understand, IWG took a major stake in the Wing, which is a very well-known female-focused co-working company headquartered in New York. You also yeah. took on, as far as I understand, the debt at the Argyle Club. You also recently announced you're expanding into Africa. So, do you have more or less locations than when you when you started? I'm just trying to add it up.
1: That, in my we, have mind. More. we have more. Okay. Yeah, so that's the thing. Even though we closed, you know, a few more centers than normal, we also opened. So, you know, look, we're in a growth category. You know, more and more people want to change the way they work. More and more companies want to adopt hybrid working. So, you know, our underlying concern is, will we have enough space in the future? It's certainly, you know... We're not in a business that sort of has problems, it has short term difficulties. But the, the medium and the long term, this is the future of quite a lot of real estate in the world, it needs it's what customers in the end want.
0: So you have reached agreements with a number of big name firms, and I want to drill down into that in a little moment. But let's talk first geographically. Are you one of those people that expects the big cities, the Londons, the New Yorks to lose their allure? And are you adapting the company's presence in certain locations as a result?
1: Look, what is clear to us is that the future is not going to be the same as the past. So The real effects of the pandemic are the fact that people used new technology and it became part of their lives. There's a lot of confusing commentary at the moment because people sort of think that it's either you've got to work from home or you work from an office like a head office. There isn't and there's nothing in the middle. What people actually want is hybrid working which is the ability to work from home if that's what you want to do and you can work productively. You can work from a local office, you know, and maybe just commuting once a week or once a month. And, or you can come to the head office if you live nearby. The real enemy here is commuting. I mean, it's the time it takes to commute, the cost of commuting, you know, that that's the enemy. And that can be completely... Reduced and eliminated by the use of technology, and so those cities where they are not livable cities, where it's very expensive for average workers to live and work close by, where they where they, you know they live close by where they work because of the cost of living is so high, the cost of housing. Those are the cities that will suffer so the more expensive the housing the more expensive the, the the less likely it is that people will continue to go to the offices that are a long way away from where they live so we've seen this in places like los angeles where the commuting is is long it's very time consuming because lots of traffic problems and uh, and so on so you've got a higher likelihood that people will continue to work from home or locally because they don't want to waste two hours a day sitting in their car going from one place to another. And that would be New York, London, and enough, you know, big metropolitan cities are really the issue. And I'll come back to how we've changed. If you, if you look at cities like Copenhagen, which is a very livable city, you can afford to live in Copenhagen, close to where you work, you can cycle to work, public transports, very abundant and very cheap. So commuting is not a problem. It's not very expensive and it's very good quality. A place like Copenhagen, hardly affected by uh, by, by, by the pandemic because more people live near where they work, And so, you know, it wasn't a problem. Um, so in the future, cities are going to have to reinvent themselves. They're going to have to create a lot more average worker accommodation at average prices. They're gonna to have to make commute, the cost of commuting lower and they're gonna to have to make it easier because you know, their competition is the internet. Their competition is Microsoft and Zoom. It, 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 you know, That's the competition. And you're still gonna look, London or New York or wherever it is, San Francisco, still a great place to meet great place for people to get together, great place to collaborate, you know, lots of reasons to get together. But do you need to do it every day? That's the question. Does everyone need to do that every day?
0: So I, I think that I'm right in saying that you have more locations out of major cities than in them. Is that correct? On a global that's,
1: that's true. Yeah. Is that
0: going to, is that trend going to continue? Do you think?
1: It will, no, it will accelerate because yes. it's been accelerating anyway. We're opening up more and more you know you know we believe the future is about coverage it's about being everywhere where people want to be it's not about where we want to be where do our customers want to be and they want to be local yeah so for us the proportionate openings in 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 the suburbs and in the provinces and in the countryside much higher than in cbds but we're still opening in the cbds because there's lots of areas we haven't covered
0: So in the past few months, you've announced a contract with the computer maker Dell um, that will allow 10,000 of their staff to use your offices. Standard Mm -hmm. Chartered, one of the biggest banks in the world, signed on for nearly 100,000 of its workers to use use your offices. That deal is for 12 months as a trial. What exactly do you think they're trialing?
1: They're they're just basically this is a whole new world. So, you know, Standard Chartered or other companies here, they're, they're, you know, what they're doing is they're listening to their workforce, to their colleagues who are saying, well, actually, guys, we don't see the need to come into an office every day. Not all people, it's maybe a third of people, 50% of people say, well, there's actually no need for me. Why am I doing this when I can do my job quite well and as well, if not better from my home or from a local office. So there's really, why, why are you asking me to spend two hours a day coming in and out to an, you know, that, that's that's the real question. So um, from, from the corporate's point of view, they are, you know, high on their list is ESG, sustainability, you know, they can, you know, I think some of these, a lot of these companies we're dealing with are looking to have their real estate footprint. And you've, you've seen that reported in the press. So, you know, if you halve your footprint, massive, massive uh, carbon saving. Second, stopping commuting, unnecessary commuting. Again, commuting is a big cause of, uh, a, 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 you know, carbon production and global warming. So, if you can, and you give people what you want, and it's half the price, if you, and this is hybrid work. If you adopt hybrid work, it's half the price of what you did before. It's pretty compelling for corporates. And it's a lot, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people want it. So it's, it's driving fast. So if you look at, um, you know, whether it's Standard Chartered, Dell, but we've signed, you know, quite literally hundreds of companies, more than a million people in the last two months. You know, these it's really significant, the move. And, you know, look, everyone's going to be trying it out at the beginning because it's a, it's a new thing. But, um, you know, it's going to stick with a lot of companies because the technology is not going away.
0: So it's still like relatively early days in, in what we'd say is the return to work. Hmm. What are you seeing in terms of the companies that have space with you, these deals that you've done with the, these, these firms, and how they're using the space at the moment?
1: Well, these firms and other firms. Look, we've got over seven million users, so you know there's you know a lot of people are using us, and it's um, you know those numbers are increasing day by day, week by week. You know, there's there's we're a global company, we're in 120 countries, so there are still lockdowns in place in some countries. You um, know, very difficult period, of course, in places like India. Um, so but you know generally people are coming back to the office but they're not coming back in the same way so we know that they're coming back in a hybrid way with you know so this although there's a lot of commentary that says oh everyone's going to go back to the office that's just not true the reality is yeah quite a lot of people will but not all of them and you know the office market's going to change as a result
0: so we know that it's, for example, a, a trial with Standard Chartered because, as you say, like, it's it's new. They're testing it out. They're, they're getting a sense of what it's like. We don't know how it's going to go. What does that mean for your other deals? Like, for example, the Japanese telecom uh, group, NTT, they've signed up for, I think it's 300,000 workers to yeah. use, use your network. What do you think is going to be, like, the make or break for these deals? Is it, like, worker productivity, how happy the employees are, the money the company's saying? on real estate like what would make a company say you know what we like the old way <laughs> or this well, isn't working
1: i don't think
0: i know you don't think that's going to happen but i mean what no, is but i happening? don't think there's
1: anything that will look this is you have this is part of a company's armory it's part of the way they support people but it's not the only way they support people so but it's exactly as you said Miriam it's productivity number 1 the most important thing is the workers, the colleagues, productivity, it's the number one thing. So if there's, if you do anything that reduces that person's productivity, you you know, it doesn't take very much to destroy any savings you made. So productivity is number one. Um, You know, it's a companies have to manage and curate the workforce more than they did before, but I think, with the new generation of workers hitting the workplace, they have to do that anyway. Because what we're talking about here is normal life For if you're under 25. You know, if you're under 25, you're on your phone all the time and, and you are mobile, you're doing everything from everywhere all the time. It's just, you, you know, the idea of sitting down somewhere or going somewhere, it doesn't make any sense to them, most of them. But it's, it's productivity that the cost savings are obvious. And, you know, for companies today, they were doing this just so as you're clear and your listeners are clear, they were doing it pre-COVID, just to be clear. We were busy throughout 2019 and into 20 with more and more companies changing over pre-COVID. So this predates COVID. These aren't all companies that suddenly came in after COVID. Okay, COVID just made it happen more quickly, made the change happen more rapidly. But, um, you know, this sort of idea of companies going back, you know, Standard Chartered, if you read their press releases, are reducing their space by a large percentage. So, you know, they're very clear people are not coming back.
0: It's interesting because you're saying, from what I'm hearing from you, is that productivity is going to be the one key thing that drives every decision. I mean, I suppose it was always like that.
1: It's always Um, like that, yeah. If you're running, if you're running a business, Miriam, it is all about productivity. So that is, proud you get productivity. Support your people. Make sure they can, you know, they've got, they've got to have the right tools to do the job in the right environment. And they've got to be clear about what you want them to do. And they've got to be able to communicate with colleagues if they're working on collaborative projects. Okay, now, in this world that we live in, which is a digital world, it's not an analog property world. It's a digital world, isn't it? Where all communication, even across a room, people are doing it on their phone. They're not They're not even talking anymore. So, you know, it's a new world. And and so, you know, the property industry and has to catch up with that. And that's what we're helping with. You know, we're working with property owners to convert their space into modern space that people can drop into, can use very flexibly in a hybrid sort of way. So if you want to get revenues on your building, it's a good thing to do.
0: I was speaking to someone the other day because there's been so much discussion about whether companies are mandating returns or not. And this person said, why are these firms so deferential to their employees? I guess that's the way that it is now that these firms have to do what the the employees want.
1: And you think it's it's not the employees asking to come back to the office, is it? No. (laughs) No. So it's some of them, of course, want to come back to the office if you're a young person, and you're living at home, and you, you know, yeah, you want to desperately get back to the office, I'm sure I would want to, because, you know, you want to get out of your house, and you want to get away from your family. So, you know, there's always going to be a proportion of people that are desperate to get back to an office. But there's also a proportion that would say, and I think it's, you know, uh, I can't remember the percentage, but I think it's something like 46% of people when surveyed said, if my company asked me to come back to the office full time, I'm going to look for another job because my life changed. I mean, imagine it's commuting. I repeat, as I said at the beginning, the enemy here is commuting. It's not about whether you're in an office or not. It's commuting and the time it takes in a digital world, it's just an unnecessary thing.
0: Yeah, I must say, we haven't heard a lot of stories about employees being like, let us back, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of these companies that are saying come back to the office often have it's misinterpreted. They're not saying that. I mean, some of these companies are our customers anyway. They're not, yeah, some people need to come back, but not everyone. You know, it's this all or nothing idea. It's... it's it's you know in the end we've said it a few times about productivity and some people are going to be far more productive if they can get up in the morning they've got a little office at home they can get their stuff done and you know they they can be as productive it doesn't make you more productive you go to an office does it
0: do you think the landlords or the traditional landlords are still resisting this a little bit I'm well, thinking for example like a lot of the big real estate companies mandated their employees back last summer in New York five days at their desk
1: yeah yeah but no they're not resist. I mean look they they have a vested interest of course but I think the real estate companies will you know it is the new world you know as I say you know your competition if you're a real estate company is Microsoft and it's Zoom it's not another real estate owner down the road who's trying to rent space. that That is what you have to think about. You know, I think the real estate business overall has to think more about the customer. Some real estate owners already do. They are adding amenities. They are thinking about it. And, you know, I I think it will change office real estate, certainly in the big cities, for the better over the years to come. We are partnering with many of these owners of real estate to turn their buildings into more flexible space.
0: Yeah, that was what I was going to ask. Is that more of a management agreement arrangement? Is that the way of the future? Or is it there's still
1: going to be- We are the joint venture, joint investment, management agreement, franchise agreement, whatever it is they want to do.
0: So is the traditional sublease arrangement out the window now?
1: We don't do many of those. We do some, but not many. Most people want to do it in a J- on a JV basis.
0: It's funny that we think about, you know, what the, what the landlords are thinking about, because I talk to landlords all the time and, you know, they always say, oh, the office is coming back, etc." And it, it's not just landlords, it's office brokers as well. Every time there's an announcement, say, for example, like Jamie Diamond saying we're shrinking our footprint or Citigroup group saying we're three days a week. No one has to be in more than three days a week. They'll counter with like, Oh, Goldman Sachs says that they want people back or Amazon says it's, it's not shrinking space. Do you get a sense of that um, holding on to what, what was in the past?
1: Yes. But Miriam, look, it's, uh, you don't need me to tell you this, do you? I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, this is called you know this is that uh, people have got vested interest and you you know they're doing their job but you know the, you can't fight technology look what it's done to retail you know then think what's going to happen to office it, it's going to change it and you if you you know if if you try and stand in the way of progress well you won't be standing very long
0: people also say well everyone thought email would kill the office and it didn't mm-hmm.
1: It did. Yeah, you, you look in the days of it, it took a while for email to do it. But look, in the old days, about 10% of office space was taken up with, with paper and filing cabinets. You go to a modern office, there's, there's very little in paper. And it, it's, it's all sitting on computers. It's all in your email files. So, you know, 10% is down to 2% for paper today. Still 2%, but 8% got lost. Um, If you look back at old office buildings in the United States or any country, you see lots and lots, you're filing cabinets everywhere. That is no longer the case. So, you know, digital technology is just so much more effective. I mean, how much post do people get these days? I mean, very little compared to years gone by where you, need, you had sacks of posts coming in the door if you were a normal company. You don't have that anymore. Yeah, and you used to have things like a post room, a big one. They were huge post rooms, but, you know, unless you're a bank or something. But these days, very little post, outgoing and incoming. You know, that's the world we're in. So these changes happen gradually. They're not, it's not a big bang.
0: WeWork is on the verge of actually going public, uh, which is basically a full circle moment for what we would describe as your largest competitor. What do you think of the the drastic cuts that they've made as they describe it to become profitable by the end of the year?
1: Well, they haven't yet become profitable by the end of the year. So I think if you read, the, <laughs> if you read the documentation... I think they're saying become EBITDA positive on an adjusted basis. So that's not quite the same as profit. But anyway, I wish them the, all the best. I mean, look, it's been a tough time, and and you know I think the CEO's fantastic there, and um, you know it's a great turnaround. You know, well done, guys. But it's it, you know it's a it's a real tough one. I mean, it's a it's a you know it's quite a runway into. Future actual profitability.
0: All right, doesn't sound like you're putting money on <laughs> on WeWork becoming profitable by the end of the year just from that. I, I,
1: I couldn't say. Look, they they, I mean, look, becoming profitable on an adjusted EBITDA basis is not the same as becoming profitable. I mean, it's like so. I mean, we we would be extremely profitable on an adjusted basis even today. So you know, even so. It's, um, you know, but look, it's the way, good luck to them. It's if their investors are happy with that, it, you know, we're in the, it's in the right sector at the right time. Um, it's going to be very helpful to us because they're on a, a multiple that's infinitely higher than our multiple. So we're hoping that, you know, that will help enlarge the market and the awareness and our multiple will come up. I mean, we've got, we're a much bigger company with much more coverage and and we're, we're profitable.
0: Would you say that WeWork Saga has been a net negative or a not net positive for IWG, considering the attention? Net, net positive, support?
1: no question, It's net positive. Look, business is a, sometimes, it's good to have peers and, and, and competitors. Uh, look, some days you wish you hadn't, but, most of the time you wish you had because this is a huge going to be a huge industry. So you know there will be this competitor, there will be more, but each competitor is doing their own marketing and it helps create awareness. This is not a small market. So, you know, I'd much rather have a small part of a large market than a large part of a very small market. As a business person, you know, it's a lot more. You have a lot more opportunity in in a big market such as this one so again you know genuine I I wish them well Um, and, and look once they're public all of this stuff about adjusted stuff and all this has to go you've got then the real numbers are the real numbers so the good thing is it really levels the playing field
0: That's the CEO of IWG, Mark Dixon. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening.